0: Before we start this episode, I want to make this following disclaimer. Uh, In this episode, I will be reading some quotes that are outdated due to its um, use of language. I will be reading the quotes in its entirety to give accurate context to the material I am talking about. I'm not trying to offend anybody. I want to make this perfectly clear that I am doing this to give the complete context. Any quotations I read, I will preface it by saying, This is what somebody said, and I quote. So, with that, let's get on to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Blind Tag Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Nash. I'm, today is going to be a great day. And if it's not a great day, you need to will it into fucking existence. Woo! I swear, time flies when you're having fun. Uh, at least that's what the old adage is. Depends on what your definition of fun. But, we, I missed... Behind my scheduling a little bit I thought that I was able to, to be able to put this episode out, you know, like the last Wednesday of February but unfortunately I missed time I misremembered uh, and so this is going to be put out on the first Wednesday of March, but it's still going to be celebrating Black History Month, yes I know I'm a couple days late, but you know what? Damn it, I did my research, so I'm gonna put the, I'm gonna put the episode out there. Um, so we're extending it for two more days. Just consider this February 30th. Oh Lord. Um, we all know about the Muhammad Ali's, the Jackie Robinsons, um, the Kurt Floods of the sports world who have really paved the way for Athlete State, the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's. Um, I want to try to talk about some of the unsung heroes. I may not get to all of them because um, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do a two, three hour you know, episode. I could. I would. Um, but I, I looked over hey Excuse me, I apologize. Um, I looked over a article talking about 20 of the most un, you know unsung uh, athletes of Black History Month, and I want to go over. I want to go over a few of them that was really interesting to me. Uh, but I got to start the list off with Ron Simmons. Now, if you're a casual sports fan, you may know him as a member of the Florida State Seminoles in the 70s. Had his number retired. He is in the Orange Bowl and College Football Hall of Fame. He was actually finished ninth in Heisman Balloting, which is insane for a defensive player even then. Even back in the late 70s. Um then he decided to go into professional wrestling. And he was primarily part of a tag team with Butch Reed called Doom. This was until, like all tag teams, they got a breakup and they got a feud. Uh, Simmons was the good guy in the equation and it really played up his all American status and his collegiate background. When when pushing them as a baby face, and it really it'll work. Crowds are the crowds in the South notorious at the time for not really being the most um, diverse when it comes to um, appreciating talent based on their race. Um, I know someone. Some people are probably not gonna like me saying that, but it's true. It's true. Like uh tag team Harlem Heat, they had a old an old white southern gentleman as their manager, which two black guys coming out with a white guy in a suit. Mmm That definitely Could be uh, construed as, you know, very, very horrible undertones. Let's just put it that way. Uh, That tag team I'm talking about is Harlem Heat, uh, Booker T, and Stevie Ray, real life brothers. Um, So in August, Vader was the WCW World Heavyweight Champion. And at a house show in Baltimore, I believe. They, he was supposed to face Sting Sting got injured In kayfabe Which means That's the, that's the storyline way of saying Yeah he's not appearing today For whatever reason Oh but he got injured So they held a raffle Like just imagine Going to a football game And you know a high school football game They hold some of those raffles Where you get like a 50-50 raffle You get a prize and your prize is you could be the starting quarterback for the high school team in the second half. Like that would be insane. So the Raffle winner would face Vader for the WCW title. Rod Simmons won it. And, excuse me again. Um He won the title. Uh he was on a recent episode of he Broken Skull Sessions with Stone Cold Steve Austin, and they um, talked about that, and they literally was like, and Ron's like, listen, just watch. He said, you see the reaction? Just they're all jumping up. Not just the whites, not just the blacks, everybody. I'm paraphrasing. But he was getting a visceral, positive reaction from everybody. In a notorious town that you normally would not get that reaction. So, but he was the first African American heavyweight champion of a professional wrestling company who was black. And he set the bar. So, people in WWE, uh, w, WCW and WWE like Booker T, people in WWE like The Rock. Bobby Lashley Kofi Kingston Big E and in the NWA Ron Killings now known as R-Truth uh, Ring of Honor World Champion right now is Jonathan Gresham uh, Rich Swann was the Impact Champion it's if it wasn't for Ron Simmons do so I think we would have um African-Americans as heavyweight champions of wrestling organizations, yes. Do I? I don't think Booker T would've got that shot. I think he would've stayed in tag team. Um, Rock, Rock probably would've got the shot. Oh, you know, but then, Kofi Mania might be the next one, honestly. So, Ron Simmons, a unsung hero of the uh, sports and uh, wrestling world because of a raffle. And he held the title until right after Stargate. He lost it Back to Vader, uh, never sniffed the title picture again, but they gave he had pay-per-view defenses in notoriously... Uh, you know, in the southern cities because WCW was the southern territory, out of out of Atlanta. So, and when he came to WWE, repackaged him as fruit because you know they got to make sure they uh, have the rights to a character's name. Um, they didn't mention it at all. They didn't mention that he was a former world, a world champion, and the first black. World champion, I think until after they bought WCW, I believe. I think that's when they finally acknowledged it because they own they own the history books. Um. Yeah, you, you you could see. Yeah, Ron Simmons definitely a pioneer uh, in the world title scene. If you look at like secondary titles. Uh, intercontinental US TV you gotta look at guys like Ahmed Johnson was the first um, African American intercontinental champion Um, tag champions you're looking at uh, the Soul Patrol, Rocky Johnson and Tony Atlas Um, I don't have the uh, US title history in front of me but I believe I believe let me Pull it up real quickly. I want. I want to make sure I'm not um, misconstruing any information. All right. So now the U.S. title, which is now currently recognized in WWE, um, started in the NWA. I'm. I, I'm. I'm not sure. Um. If Harley Race, I don't think he's, uh, deter- I think he's uh, Caucasian, I'm not going to be 100%, but if he isn't, then Bobo Brazil, uh, defeating black Jack Mulligan on July 7th, 1977, to be the uh, first African American United States champion. So, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk more unsung heroes in sports history, uh, unsung African American sports heroes. We'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the Blind Tag Podcast. I do want to uh, apologize if there's any background noise. I'm having to record these episode uh, this episode uh, in transit back and forth between Florence because I'm going to be in, you know, I'm doing more baseball games for Francis Marion. So, you know, wanting to, uh, do my day job, plus make sure these episodes come out on time, plus do this, you know, it's a, it's a multitasking, but it's, it's something I got to do. And I, uh, Hope everyone uh, appreciates it and understands. Like I can say, I know in the past I would do it just willy nilly, but I've been trying my best, based on some feedback, not to do the episodes while I'm speaking uh, Bluetooth in my car while driving. But if circumstances uh, prevent it, then I gotta do it. Anyway. So, I know I talked about, we want to talk about the unsung heroes of Black History Month within the realm of sports, and, uh, excuse me, I apologize, I know these these two are not unsung heroes, but, we can't have a conversation without them, Uh, Tommy Smith and John Carlos, Uh, these two raised their fists for a black power salute on the medal podium after the 200 meter final in the 1968 Mexico City Olympics. Now this was done to protest racism and injustices in the United States. They also wore black socks on the podium without shoes. This was done to represent black poverty in the United States. Now, 1968 definitely not a good time in the United States particularly in the south for someone who is African American Um, the Jim Crow laws were were still in place Um, it was just trying to get those repealed now their action when they, when they re, uh, returned home they were well, actually let's let's not even say when they turned returned home when they got back to their hotel or in the Olympic village they were told by USOC members That they had twenty-four hours to leave the country. 24 hours to leave Mexico because of what they did. I always always tell people when I bring this up now, I was explaining this to someone. Think of these two. Kaepernick, without the 24-hour news cycle and social media, I mean, that's that's the best way to put it. They received death threats. You know, one would basically assume they received death threats from all over the place once returning. Now, here, here's an interesting issue that I did not know. All right, in looking this up, uh, Tommy Smith actually advocated for a boycott of the 1968 Olympics unless four conditions were met. All right. Uh, one, let's see, two of them, which I really couldn't find much information on. Uh, they wanted every rundage. To step down as the president of the IOC and they wanted to the, the hiring of more African-american assistant coaches now I don't know if that's in football basketball baseball all sports I don't know um, I'm going to believe that it was in all sports but I don't know uh, I' trying to do and doing the research for it I I, I couldn't find it but, the other two, I could They wanted Muhammad Ali to be restored as the World Heavyweight Boxing Champion. Ali refused to be inducted into the Armed Forces in March 1966 and go to Vietnam. This, was, this caused him to be systematically denied a boxing license in every state of the union and stripped of his passport. So, you're thinking, alright, I can't get a boxing license. You know what? I'll go to Canada to fight. I'll go to Mexico and fight. Nope. You can't go there either. I I don't know, I don't know. Where have we seen that recently? Uh, I don't know, you know. I'm just, I'm just spitballing here. And finally, they wanted the countries of South Africa and Rhodesia to be uninvited to the Olympics. Now, you're thinking, wait, why would African Americans want to African countries uninvited? Well, you know, I'm glad you asked that question. It was due to apartheid. South Africa, due to its apartheid policies, which basically gave, you know, in, in the easiest way I can explain, it gave the minority white population the majority of power over the black population So imagine you have a building of 100 people and 5 of them are white But the rules of the building states that those 5 people determine the rules and regulations for everybody Sounds ass backwards, doesn't it? It should be majority rule. Well, not in this case. In October 1965, the UN General Assembly noted that repeated threats of the Rhodesian authorities to declare unilaterally the independence of southern Rhodesia in order to perpetuate minority rule was branded as illegal. Racist minority regime. Yeah, that's that's. I would say that's one hundred percent kind of racist if you think about it. So, and you ha- so here you have these medalists, Smith and Carlos, basically come back can't can't get a job. At all. Because, A, they're black. B, they are black athletes who protested. Wait. Can't get a job in the sport they love because they protested. Who does that sound like? Oh, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Let me... Let me look at my notes. Oh yeah, Colin Kaepernick. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I'm glad I didn't write that down because you know that was like, you know, too obvious. But let's move on to another uh groundbreaking athlete in uh, Althea Gibson. Born in Silver, South Carolina, which I did I did not notice. That a very, uh, you know, interesting little tidbit. But, despite her reputation as an elite level player in tennis, she was barred from the U.S. Open in 1949. Can anybody guess why? Anybody? Anybody? Okay, I'll let you think about that. They reversed this stance in 1950 after, reti- after retired champion, Alice Marble, published a scathing, scathing letter in the American Lawn Tennis Magazine. You know, know, magazines back when they were big. Now, now she lost in the second round uh, to reigning woman champion Louise Bro. Her appearance received international coverage. Now, As I said in the uh, opener and as I said in the um, disclaimer, I would be reading quotes as, you know, as written. All right. This quote was by journalist Lester Rodney. He wrote at the time, and I quote, No Negro player, man or woman, has ever set foot on one of these courts. In many ways, it's even a tougher, personal Jim Crow busting assignment than was Jackie Robinson when he first stepped out of the Brooklyn Dodgers dugout. That's powerful. Very powerful. She became the first African American athlete to win a Grand Slam event with a uh, French Open victory in 1956. The first to win Wimbledon in 1957. She's regarded today as, you know, one of the best players in history because of her groundbreaking um, uh, stance, and in fact. find a player okay I'm, I'm thinking of another sport but that being said um, like just these these players like you as someone who's Caucasian I can take for granted if I wanted to go play tennis or if I wanted to, you know, go win a gold medal and then uh, track and field and then next thing you know, I get job offers, but it's it's still disheartening to know that in our country, um, you could go... Fight for our country in a world war. You could represent our country in Olympics. But if you don't go with what they tell you to do, you basically get blacklisted, and that's—it's—it's uh, it's sad then, and it's even more sad that it's still going on today. Um. Yeah. So I mean, like we talk talk about Colin Kaepernick. All right. Does he deserve to get a starting job in the NFL based on his statistics? All right. Based purely on the statistics, his statistics, his stats were declining. He was kind of injury prone. So, to give him the reins of a team out of the gate, I would say no. But, you you give him the opportunity. You go. All right. We're going to bring you in. And you literally lay out there's a quarterback competition. This is what we're looking for. The The top three players at that position move on to the regular season. Everyone else doesn't. One of them one of you might make the practice squad. But you just and then next thing you know, because you you know you do like simulated games as much as you can within the rules, and you you literally keep track. All right, how'd he do today? How'd he do today? How'd he do? Okay, and and based on how they did in practice, and based how they did in preseason games, that's how you make your choice. And now, if based on preseason games and practices and joint practices Kaepernick is the worst quarterback out there then you release him if he's the best quarterback out there you give him the starting job very simple And I'm curious to see where the Brian Flores lawsuit is going to do, not just within the coaching realm, but in the player realm as well. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. Welcome back as we continue to honor Black History Month as we look at some of the unsung heroes in the sports world from the African-American community. Now we talked about the protest in the 1968 Mexico City Games. This wasn't a protest, but this was another groundbreaking event. This was the 1960 Summer Olympics in Rome, Italy. This was the first Olympics to be televised internationally. And what did the US do well they had this uh, runner by the name of Wilma Rudolph now Rudolph won three gold medals in the 1960 games in track and field okay she is the first african-american to win more than two in a Olympics and this really set uh, she became a kind of an international star because of this, because of her presence. And also, she inspired, she raised the, uh, let's see, what the profile of women's track and field in the United States, giving little girls like Florence Griffin Joyner the ability to see her on TV and know, hey, she looks like me. I can be like her, and Florence griffin joyner went on to have a fantastic career in track and field, one of the stars of the 80s um, in, in that sport, multiple time medalist, but let's, let's move into basketball. Now, here, here's an interesting thing, um, basketball, out of all the major sports in um, the United States, has been the most progressive and when I I know when I say that someone's be like oh hey, yeah they're progressive they're liberal yeah no it's not what I mean what I mean is they were faster to have their roster kind of mirror society not just the good old boys collection um Bill Russell played 13 years in his career. He if he won 11 NBA titles. If you include his last two seasons at the uh, University of San Francisco, that's 13 titles in 15 years. And won a gold medal in the 1956 Melbourne Games. So, doesn't, you know, very, very, very historical figure. But he became so much more. He became the first black NBA coach and the first to win an NBA title. He was also the first black uh, player to achieve Superstar status in the NBA, which now seems to be given out like uh, Halloween candy. He served as a three-year, uh, a three-year stint as the player coach. So even though he was the coach, he still played. I wonder if that means he got a bonus check for winning as a coach and as a player. Yeah, probably not. Now, this is what Russell said. Yeah. He was chosen by Red Auerbach to replace him. Red Auerbach, the famous, the legendary, the iconic coach of the Boston Celtics. Red Auerbach, now was Bill Russell his first choice? No, Uh, but a couple people declined for various reasons. And none of the reasons were, you've got to have a black coach. They were totally reasons unique to them, not unique to having to uh, having to be a trendsetter. So, at, at the press conference to officially introduce Bill Russell as the head coach of the Boston Celtics, a reporter asked him, "You know, you know, there being questions about um, you know being named coach." And Bill Russell decided to make this comment. Once again, I am quoting this word for word, and I quote. I wasn't offered the job because I am a Negro. I was offered it because Red figured I could do it. That's it. And that's the reason why Red Aurobach, the legend, the icon, chose him. Not because of skin color. Not because of some, well, we got to have a black, you know, we got to be the first one to be, have a black coach. No. He saw his tenacity as a player. That's the reason why they drafted him as a player. Is if he can bring that same tenacity as a coach, great. Now he stepped down after three seasons, um, and then you know he had several other coaching stints. None of them to the success that he had in Boston. So yes is Bill Russell a great basketball coach yeah he's not getting put on in that category but it's not because he was black it's because the success he had in Boston was a product of the talent he had pure and simple now here's an interesting uh, footnote In 2020 the West Coast Conference, which uh, is the conference that houses San Francisco and the University of San Francisco instituted what is known as the Russell Rule. Now you're probably thinking to yourself, didn't you just talk about a Rooney Rule in the NFL? Yes. I did. But this is what the conference said. They were, well, They're requiring each member institution to include a member of a traditionally underrepresented community in the pool of final candidates for every athletic director, senior administrator, head coach, and full-time assistant coach position In the athletic department. So. If. if It's not saying. You have to interview one. It says. They got to be in the final pool of candidates. So. Now if you you decide to do. Informal interviews. And then you put one in there. And then that part you do. Because once you put in the final pool of candidates. You got to interview all of them. And then. If that candidate isn't, you know, doesn't bring what to the table and someone else does, great. They're, they're, they're not telling you you got to check off a box, which is basically what the Rooney Rule is. So, I think w- when we get back, we're going to talk about some football and golf. We'll be right back with more of the Blind Tag podcast. All right, and let's continue on with looking at some unsung heroes. And here's an interesting one. Um, all the talk about the NFL and not really doing much for its, um, you know, black coaches. And not having a good, you know, not having a diverse, you know, amount of head coaches. Oddly enough, they are the first league in the United States to have a black coach. This was shocking to me. And he was a player coach. He was he was running. He was the running back for the Akron Pros, which, of course, I know. You're asking yourself. Who are the Aquin Pros? Well, they were a team in the APFL. I believe that stands for American Professional Football Association. Now, this is the precursor to the NFL. The uh, season where he co-, co and he was a now he was a co-coach. He wasn't a head coach, but the season that he was they finished in third place with an 8-3-1 record. Unfortunately, um, once they turned over in the NFL, and then uh, there was this strong push to get black players and black coaches out of the league, and it did not happen again until many, many, many years later. But, the Black Coaches and Administrators Association co-sponsored, co-sponsored, not sponsored the annual Fitz Pollard Award in 2004, presented to the college or professional coach chosen by the BCA as the coach of the year. That's nice. I did look up to try to see, you know, who recent winners were. Unfortunately, I cannot f- find that information. But let's 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 go move from football to golf. Now, I know, I know. You're probably thinking to yourself, "Well, why don't we? Why aren't we talking about Tiger Woods?" Well, we're not talking about Tiger Woods. That's the funny. That's not want to say funny, but that's that's the interesting thing. Charlie Ziffern. Charlie Sifford became the first black player on the PGA Tour in 1961. And it took him several years, but he finally recorded two wins on the Tour. In 1967, he won the Greater Hartford Open Invitational, uh, scoring a 12 under par, one one stroke better than Steve Opperman, and then winning a playoff over Harold Henning, in the 1969 Los Angeles Open, finishing eight under. And here's some, here is uh, where the continuity comes in. Sifford inspired Tiger to want to plague off and join the tour. So that's why we're not, we really don't talk about it because if it wasn't for Charlie Sifford, we would not have a Tiger Woods at all. And like, that's insane to think about now, like just just thinking of how the tour is and imagining it without Tiger Woods ever. That's insane. But let's move on to tennis again. We'll go back to tennis. And Arthur Ashe. Now, Arthur Ashe is more known nowadays for um, battling um, HIV, passing away. Um, The Arthur Ashe Award for Courage is a staple of the ESPY Awards. But we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what he did for men's tennis. And he did for men's tennis what Gibson did for women's tennis. He won three of the four Grand Slams. Now, for anyone who is not familiar with tennis, the Grand Slams in tennis are Australian Open, French Open, Wimbledon, U.S. Open. The only one he did not win at was the French Open, which is notoriously hard because it is a clay court. His first win in the Open era was at the West of England Championships in Bristol, England. And then that's when he got to his Grand Slams. 1968, he won the U.S. Open. 1970, the Australian Open. And 1975, Wimbledon. His best finish in the French, he got to the quarterfinals in 1990 and 1991. So think about this. If it wasn't for Arthur Ashe, would we have an African-American presence in men's tennis? I don't think so I really don't and finally we'll talk about Muhammad Abdul Wright now he played nine seasons in the NBA was the third pick of the 1990 NBA draft by the Denver Nuggets named to the NBA all rookie second team here's the funny thing He was named to the 1993 Slam Dunk Contest despite never dunking in a game. That's insane. I don't think he did well. But, Abdul Rose, born Chris Jackson, changed his name after converting to Islam in 1991. But, here is where he set a precedent. He created controversy. In 1996, he created controversy when he refused to stand for the anthem, referring to it as a symbol of oppression. He was suspended by the league on March 12, 1996, costing him a game check of $31,707. Two days later, they he worked out a compromise with the league where he could stand for the anthem. He chose to silently recite a prayer during the anthem as a alternative way of protest. And in a disgusting, disgusting display, which unfortunately you continue to see today, There was an apparent publicity stunt linked to this event. Four employees of Denver's KBPI radio station entered a Colorado mosque playing the national anthem on a bugle and trumpet. Eventually being charged with misdemeanor offenses. That's, you know, I I would love, I would love to sit here and say that I'm shocked by that and that that would never happen today, but it's 2022 and everything we've had to put up with for the last seven years. Yeah, I'm not surprised at all. Like this could happen today. And I still, I would not be shocked. And that is sad to say. At the end of the 1996 season, he was traded to Sacramento for a second-round pick. And Saronis, Marshy Lunas, really never got to the the success uh, that he had while at Denver. And that's just... That's just sad to say. It is. He, he kind of got blackballed from the league while they're not saying, here, we're going to trade you for this guy and a second-round pick. In the NBA, there's only two rounds in the draft. If you're getting traded for a second-round pick, that's not a good thing. So, But we'll be right back with more from the Blind Tag Podcast. Alright, welcome back and like I said, this was an episode I wanted to do in honor of Black History Month. Um, Did I miss the calendar a little bit? Absolutely. My bad. But as I was thinking about recording this episode as I'm driving back from Florence um just because black history month is over doesn't mean we stop celebrating black history month or we stop celebrating black history because black history is just as important to the history of the United States as white history Hispanic heritage is just as important as white heritage Asian culture is just as important as quote unquote white culture That's the reason why we are the United States and not fifty individual countries. Because if we were, whoo! Mm, we'd have some weird countries in this in this state, in this landmass. But wanted to pay my respects because here's the thing everyone I talked about if it somebody today was influenced by them 100% if we didn't have a Bill Russell or a Kareem Abdul if we didn't have a Bill Russell we wouldn't have had a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and a Magic Johnson and a Jordan and a LeBron James. If we didn't have an Athena Gibson, we wouldn't have the Williams sisters. If we didn't have Vince Pollard, we wouldn't have Art Shell. We wouldn't have Mike Tomlin, I was literally was basing on his name for a minute. So you got to understand that we grab, you know, we are inspired by a previous generation. And if you're not, then what the world motors. now next week um, I do know we are in the middle of uh, March Madness and it has already become maddening The uh, a 5-24 team in Charleston Southern upset UNC Asheville in the Big South Tournament in their first game So, ladies and gentlemen, March is here. And it is maddening. Uh, We will have a a prediction episode like we did last year. I am finalizing the guest list. But next week, I want to really touch on something serious. And for anyone who has not heard over the last week or so, First of all, congratulations for not picking up your phone or watching TV, but welcome back to reality. Holy shit, stuff's going down. The Russian Federation has invaded, unprovoked, invaded Ukraine, a sovereign, independent country it used to be part of the Soviet Union before it broke up in, in uh, 89, 90. But it is a sovereign nation. And it's, I'm not even gonna call him a president, his dictator, Um, believes that the leadership of Ukraine, Nazis and he is trying to denazify Ukraine, but we're not going to talk about that. What we're going to talk about is the impact that this event has had on the sports world. There has been numerous numerous organizations sanctioning so we will be going over a little of the backstory of the Russian Ukraine conflict and then we'll get into the sports world of it but excuse me it's been a long day um with that being said um, I hope everyone enjoyed this um, look back at the unsung heroes in sports next week we will talk about the ramifications of war and then after that I know it's a weird transition but March Madness but that being said my name is Kyle Nash I'm I hope everyone has a great rest of the day, and I'll see you next time. Alright, before we get back to the podcast, I want to give a shout out to Light Saturation for the awesome new intro that I found on Pixabay.com. That is P-I-X-A-B-A-Y dot com. You can find all type of royalty free music for your podcast, backgrounds for videos, YouTube videos, all different type of genres on Pixabay.com. That is P-I-X-A-B-A-Y dot com.